0: And welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. I'm Sammy. I'm Ben.
1: And I am Anya.
0: And, um, Anya, since this is your first episode, do you want to, um, say a bit about yourself and, like, how you got into the series?
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have anything to say on that at the moment. But I got into the series... Wh- I read it the first three when I was eight, and then I never found them again, because... I live in Australia, and we don't get them in Australia unless you buy them from overseas. So, I read the first three when I was really small, and then I reread them when a friend forced me to a few years later, and then I had the end of Everybody spoiled again, because someone just read out the last sentence, and it was the worst.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was
1: just like... <laughs> it was terrible. It was just like, let's go join the Black Swan, and so... That happened. And bear in mind there were like three other people who had never read it before. So it was they were like reading Everblaze and I was like, Oh well cool, we've just ruined three people's Yeah, my personality consists of books and art and no social skills. And there we go, I've summed myself up.
0: <laughs> you know, same. <laughs> yeah, we're really happy to um to have you on this episode.
1: Uh, yeah, thanks. I'm really happy to be here. It's one of those things that I like to talk about a lot. It's one topic, just any fandom. I won't lose it.
0: <laughs> All right. So this is episode 22. This is take two of episode 22. Um, because we lost the recording for, we lost our last recording. But um, so if this sounds more rehearsed than episodes usually do, that is why. So yeah, this is a bonus episode since we finished Everblaze last week. So today we are going to be looking at each of the characters sort of one by one and determining how they would fare in a fight um, regarding their special abilities and skills and whatnot. Um, But before we get started with that, we got a few messages. We actually got a lot of messages, Um, so we're going to read those out loud for you guys our first message was on instagram um we're so sorry but we can't find the username of the person who sent it um but it says this is referring to uh, a couple of the a couple of the previous episodes we recorded so the message says both groups wanted her because she was a bad match and that means she's upset at the world what are simpler abilities? Edeline tells Sophie that people with simpler abilities work simpler jobs, but what are those abilities? So the first bit of that message is referring to Jolie, I think, in Everblaze, which, like, makes sense. Because um, we had been a bit confused earlier about, like, Jolie, about why both the Black Swan and the Neverseen wanted to recruit Jolie, exactly, and it makes sense that, like, they... Wanted her because, um, maybe because she was matched with Brant, so she already had that connection to the Never Scene, and also she was upset at the Elven system. Yeah.
2: She was one of the few people that either side would potentially even be able to recruit, just because she's one of the few people that actually sees the flaws. Yeah, I
1: think it was a similar thing, like with Jolene. I think. Cause with the triplets and the bad match, it's it's interesting because both sides seem to recruit people who've been wronged by Elven Society, which was interesting.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. And like it does make sense that really only the people who've been like personally wronged by the Lost Cities and by Elven Society would be they'd be the ones to join the rebel groups.
1: Yeah, I think especially because everyone else has no reason to go against a system that works for them, I think. So mainly, you can kind of sympathise with people on both ends, except for Vespera and Geffen and Rye and most people, actually. But anyway, in hindsight, I don't sympathise with anyone on the Neverseen. So, don't know where that was going. I tried.
2: (laughs) So for simpler abilities, kind of like... Just what I think a really good example of what a, like, air quotes, simpler ability would be, would kind of be, like, technopathy. Like, you get what there is to it. It's not flashy or not showy. It's not good in, like, a fight. It's not the most, it's not the versatile ability in, like, what you can do with it, but it is versatile in what you can create. So, Jobs kind of, like, I suspect technopathy. I don't know if Flasher would be considered a simpler ability, but like I feel like we do see like jobs where it's just like this dude's a medic and this dude puts on a light show. So I don't exactly know what a simpler ability could be, but I think technopathy is probably one of the most solid examples we've got of what one could be.
1: Yeah, and I think maybe um polyglot as well. I don't know if there's like a word for the ability. I can just remember polyglot, not the actual ability word. But um,
2: I think the ability word is polyglot.
1: Is it? Because like everything's yeah. like technopath and technopathy and
2: telepath and telepathy. Yeah. And like,
1: what's what's the actual? But yeah, because that's languages and it's kind of straightforward since it does it instinctively, like um, well the language part, not the mimicking, but like with Sophie just instantly understanding languages. Somewhat like the Elven language, I suppose. So I feel like that might fit into that category.
0: Yeah, that does seem like a quote-unquote simpler ability, right? Especially, like, opposed to, I feel like things like telepathy and empathy and more of those, like, mental abilities are seen as higher class in the elven society. And I'm not sure, like, what the exact reason for that would be, but that's just kind of how I feel like it falls.
2: I mean, we've heard about how, like, telepathy is so useful because like it helped the elves know that the humans were planning to like leave or whatever so i feel like that's one of the reasons that telepathy is also so highly regarded on top of it just being like generally useful
1: wait if they read the humans minds do you think the um telepathy rules weren't in place or did they just not apply to humans because i just realized that
2: i think it could be one or the other but it also raises the questions of like whether a human could actually block the thoughts from like just automatically entering a telepath's mind or if all a telepath has to do is like open their mind up and they'll be getting this information because there can definitely be some moral justification on the elf side if they're like oh well they didn't give me permission and to to enter their mind but I'm not entering their mind all I'm doing is like just opening my brain up to see, to scan the area. And whoops, I just so happen to have picked up on their thoughts.
1: Because, I mean, if it's a broadcasting thing, like how Sophie was with the humans when she grew up there, but typically they've got a shield. And I suppose... The
2: elves have a shield, but not the humans.
1: Yeah. And as well, I think, because we see Amy block, like, kind of quiet in her thoughts... Around Gethin at the end of Lotus Star or Star of Never Night. Anyway, you know what I mean. But yeah, I don't know if that's separate because of like residual Sophie genes in her mom's womb. I don't know. But
0: yeah, Amy, bring up Amy, that's a good point. I don't know if residual genes are like a thing.
1: I don't think they are, but that's what my brain went with.
0: I
2: don't know enough about genetics. It feels like something Shannon would fall though. Like, it feels like something Shannon would say. We're like, oh, you know, her stomach carried an elven and, like, she had our medicines inside of her. So, you know, she was a little bit special.
1: Yeah, I feel like that could be a feasible thing to happen. But, yeah, I feel like using Amy as an example isn't quite solid. So, I just...
2: I don't know. It's a very interesting question, though. But I do think that the elves are very willing to like jump through moral loopholes to get to what they want,
1: yeah, and I think with the way if it was it just didn't apply to humans at the time, if the law did exist back then, I could see them doing that unfortunately, because I don't know, i mean they they call their language enlightened, I don't know,
2: yeah, they've got mighty high opinions of themselves, yes, they do.
0: Alright, our next message is from keef.moods on Instagram. It says, Hey, in one of your recent episodes, you guys talked about how Sophie couldn't read, but she was able to read the more common type of runes, but she couldn't read the ancient runes. Hope that helped. So yes, that did help. Um, in previous episodes, we were getting very confused about whether or not Sophie was like functionally literate because we knew there was some kind of rune that she couldn't read. So thank you for... Clearing that up, that there's like a difference between fancy runes and common runes.
1: Yeah, I just thought she was completely illiterate and couldn't yeah. read a fox file.
2: Same. <laughs> Imagine how awful it would be to have a learning curve like that. Like, you get to the Elven Society, you can speak their language, you're about to be indoctrinated in, but you can't do any of the readings that are required. Yeah, and that would
1: be really interesting because she went from being like the top and being grades higher than she should be to being unable to read. That would be really
2: interesting. But Wait, like this is completely like you know that thing where like I okay How did Sophie- I feel like we should have seen more about Sophie and her grades in the law studies solely because, like, if you're a high achiever in the human world and you're used to getting, like, straight A's, imagine how awful it would be to be getting 70% for the first time in your life. Like, maybe that's overshadowed by the fact that you're in a, like, a whole new world and, like, society and your life has flipped itself up on your head, but still.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, I remember in book one, right, Sophie was talking about how, like- she kind of has to try in school for the first time in her life, and so it's like that must be a bit of a shock,
1: yeah, I wish I feel like that'd be really good if they'd focused on that a little bit more because it's very relatable for a lot of people that go from like primary school
2: I feel like especially especially the group like the the book the age that this series is targeted and the group that this people that the series is targeted to. That would probably have resounded hard within many of the readers.
1: I think it would just be incredibly interesting, I think, if she was functionally illiterate – or, well, not functionally literate – but it'd be really interesting to see how she'd work around that to still learn.
2: Yeah. She would get someone to read it for her and then read their minds. Yeah, that could work. Oh.
1: That could also lead into morally gray Sophie, which would be interesting. But
2: would she would she f- would she fake doing that, or would she just like be like, "Hey, I need to learn how to read first before you guys." Do the elves even know how to teach people how to read?
0: Like, right? Because it's instinct. Their babies
2: are all born with this ability. Do they need to te- like? Would they have the knowledge of how to teach people how to read? I I guess not. I mean, is it is writing and reading the
1: same as speaking? Because they can speak the language from birth, but can can they
2: write it? Because that's what was so weird about Sophie, because she couldn't inherently read the runes, like how all other elves read runes. Like they're born with the ability to read. Yes,
1: that makes more sense, I think. Oh, that seems so weird that they don't have to teach it.
2: I don't know, it's
1: bizarre. But yeah, I don't know if they'd be able to teach her how to read i don't think they'd know how
2: like they could probably try there might be one person who knows but like they wouldn't really have a good concept of how to teach people how to read
1: i mean sophie would probably know how she was taught to read
2: english i suppose
1: and maybe she could have people like tell her the sounds to match runes and stuff and she could figure it out
2: but yeah i don't know i feel like that's hard though because like she doesn't consciously really like know the fact that she's speaking in another language so like how would that work for like trying to like match sounds up to shapes when all you're hearing when you're speaking is just english and you're unconscious of the fact that like language has changed
1: yeah that wouldn't work either so she'd be functionally illiterate i don't see how yeah
2: they would probably figure out a way but like I don't think it would be simple at all.
1: I kind of want to see that now, but that's that opportunity's gone and dead. But anyway,
2: yeah, Shannon, rewrite the series, but just make Sophie not able to read, please. That'd be great. It's good that that's cleared up. If there's one criticism for the series, there's only one bad thing about the series, and that's that Sophie knows how to read. <laughs>
1: That makes so many extra plot holes, though.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Just blows apart, like that scene in Lotus Star, when Dex is writing because of the imparter. Just blows that scene shreds.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, Sophie's just sitting there watching them write on a piece of paper, and she's like, what are we doing, guys? What's up?
1: Yeah. it's, It's good that got cleared up, because I wasn't even on the podcast at the time, but I was also rereading Nightfall for a fanfic, and I just... I didn't understand what was happening. It was, it was so confusing. I was like, wait, but I thought you couldn't read, but
0: never mind. Alright, our next message is from NC Hua on Instagram, and it just says, Hi, I'm a big fan and I love your podcast. So thank you so much. Um, we love getting messages like these. You guys are awesome.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: And our final Instagram message is from the art easel. It's a comment on our last post and it says, I'm on episode 11 of your podcast and you guys are amazing. I love this podcast so much. Right when I discovered it, I was in the middle of changing my room around and I just got an AirPod, so everything worked out so perfectly. But back to the reason I wrote this, I hear you guys reading out thank you comments almost every episode and I think I speak for everyone listening to your podcast that we all wholeheartedly love it and me personally, it has just brought so much into my life. I hope you guys continue to do this, and I hope I can help get Shannon's attention. And again, thank you.
2: Thank you, that's really kind.
0: That's so sweet. Like, I'm making like the hard eyes emoji right now.
2: (laughs) We cannot you cannot see our faces, so now we just have resorted to emojis to (laughs) declaring how we feel. (laughs) It's just
1: like, I'm that emoji that's head blew
2: up. (laughs) That's me constantly. I feel like I'm that emoji that has like the kind of like anime inspired eyes, but it's called the pleading emoji on Discord, which is a bad name for an emoji,
0: but a good emoji <laughs> it is
1: it is a terrible name for an emoji. I don't even know what that means
0: um, and then our last two messages i our last two messages came on Tumblr. this first one is from Our blood is our ink on Tumblr, and it's a long one, so here we go, all right, and it says. I absolutely adore the podcast. I have a very intense need to be on it, by the way. I would love to discuss KOTLC with you all and a friend of mine because I feel like we would all come from different places and, I don't know, make additional crack theories together, but I digress. In the most recent KeeperCast, you talked about how Sophie found it hard to forgive Dex. I reread the books myself recently, and the people who I blame this time around is the council. Like, I can see where they're coming from with that decision, but I have two issues with it. The first being that Sophie literally still has basically zero idea how the oven world works, let alone the delicate nature of their alliances and or treaties with the other species. So they punished Reed, basically tortured, a literal child for not knowing what a grave insult slash attack it was to try and use telepathy on Rose's dad. The second thing is that Dex was first manipulated into the creation of a circlet and then coerced by at least 12 adults who were his species leaders into completing the circlet and adjusting it for Sophie. The council, all adults, chose to force a child to incapacitate his friend and then said friend and, and co-blame him at least a little on some level and sort of make him not necessarily outcasted but definitely pushed to the side. And it's just wrong what the council did to both Sophie and Dex. I could not have put it better myself.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think we also have to remember too, though, that even if somebody was manipulated and forced into hurting you, they still hurted you. And Sophie did warn Dex about the consequences of making those kind of devices beforehand, and he continued to do it. So even if logically, you know, you shouldn't blame someone, it's hard because they are also, Dex is still partly responsible for this, even if he shouldn't take any of the blame. And that's like, like, yes, absolutely, we should forgive Dex, and yes, this wasn't his fault. However, he did have a part to play in it, and he was warned beforehand. And I also think that, like, we as an audience are supposed to see this, but, like, it's not really the way it works in the series. And also, when you read the series, like, the council is fully aware of the fact that Sophie didn't know, like, what a grave crime it was, and that's why the punishment was as it was. Like, they were like, that, the logic in the series was, like, she doesn't know what she's doing here, and she's too strong to be able to just let her... to be able to, like, run around freely. So this is the compromise that they had, which wasn't a great... Com- which wasn't a great compromise. It's awful, but it also, like, it does do its intended goal. Sophie can't really mess things up because, with like, with her ability anymore.
1: Yeah, and... And as well, it's probably important to remember that the entire, the the individual counsellors aren't necessarily to blame, because it wouldn't have been unanimous as well. They've...
2: No. I think Bront, like, this was the first time that Bront ever, like, showed solidarity with Sophie, because he looked disgusted at the fact that they were doing this. Yeah,
1: that was when I started liking Bronte as a character and not wanting to drop kick him off a cliff. But anyway... God, I hated him in the first two books, and now he's like my favourite counsellor, so.
0: But yeah, it's definitely a case where, like, no individual person exactly is entirely to blame. Like, everyone sort of shared a part of the blame, but really, it can't really fall on any individual. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think it, like, it does fall on the counsellors as, like, a group of adults, but we can't really. Erase that Dex had a part to play in that, and that he, although, like, although he is far more forgivable for being manipulated into it, like, he was warned beforehand about the consequences that could come of his actions, and he chose to proceed anyways for very valid and absolute reasons. But, like, that does not absolve him of the fact that this is still something that he made.
1: Yeah, and as well, it did really show us quite a bit about Dex's character that he that he would do that to gain approval, I think, which is interesting given how he grew up. I think it it provided a good insight into him as a character. So that was a good thing to come out of that, I suppose.
2: I also, like, personally, I love those scenes in Everblades. Like, they're just so heartbreaking to read and, like, almost hard, but, like, I really, I don't know, I feel like it's that ultimate thing where, like, sometimes it's nice to see characters, like, struggle and suffer. (laughs) That sounds so awful, but, like, it's so... It's so interesting to just see Sophie have to overcome something like that because we're so used to having to overcome, like, external problems. But this one was really, like, internal with her, like, struggling and... be Well, she also has flashback but like at that time like you didn't see a whole lot of books that were like yo this character this is like she's acting in a very depressed manner because of something that has happened to her but like here's how she's gonna get through this which is fun
1: Mm. I mean I really one of the things I liked along that vein was in Nightfall when she kind of had that whole depressive section and they had to try and pull her out of it which was one of my favourite, I think, moments in it, because you don't really see that very often in fiction, I suppose. Like, it's in a lot of older books, but it was good to see it in this series, because it's, you know, geared towards younger kids, even though the writing should have
0: changed, but... Yeah, it's really it's always really interesting when they show, like, you know, how Sophie internally is dealing with things, maybe, like, you know, the ramifications that, like, it has on her mental state. I just think it's really interesting to read about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my things... I really like that, and like with angst, it basically exists to, I don't know, torture the characters into having character development, I suppose, and you know make them, I suppose, try, like co- cohesively put this into a thought because this evaded me a few seconds ago, but um, like the way they adapt, I think, well afterwards, and how horrible things happening to them changes them as a character and that's what I was trying to say
2: (laughs) no it's definitely it's definitely very neat sections and I do like the insight that they provide into Sophie's character especially because she does have so much on her and so much riding on her
0: all right our last message our last message came to my personal tumblr It's an anonymous message, and it says, I really liked episode 21. Maybe Dex dealt with being burned through using body temperature regulation, or elves have a higher pain tolerance than humans, or both. What you said about the counselors taking off their circlets in battle made me imagine their circlets actually being gadgets slash weapons that are used as death frisbees if you push the gemstones the right way. Far fetched, I know, but it would be cool.
2: Yeah, so as to that first part about Dex, I think there's also, like, there's that element of, like, body control, but I also think that, like, when you're put in a situation like that like you just have to comply like i think that he was probably in incredible amounts of pain but he just had to deal with it like he had to like go through it because there was no other option
1: yeah that was that was the kind of scenario that really had no good outcome so the best thing he
2: could do was be complacent and not stir more trouble boys got <laughs> This boy has one friend, and she's in the other room being tortured, and going to be tortured worse if you do not comply. What do you think he's gonna do?
0: As for the second part of that question, I love the idea of death frisbees. Yes, <laughs>
2: there's this very neat weapon from India called a a chakram or a shakram. I'm not sure exactly on the pronunciation, but um, it's it's like a throwing, like circular kind of thing, and it would be very neat if like. A counselor's weapon was kind of like a chakram based um based crown, I guess. Yeah, that would be very cool.
0: I feel like that
1: would be awesome. Just like whipping off your fancy circle and throwing <laughs> it at someone's face. You just imagine that happening, like just fighting the Nevasine, but it's like ultimate frisbee.
0: All right, and on that note, should we move on to the focus of this episode? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we'll be talking about, um, we'll be looking at the characters one by one and talking about how they do in a fight. So we have, like, an a little order that we're going to do them in. So let's start with Dex.
2: Yeah. So I think this is really, this is really appropriate to come after the counselors because, like, Dex, I don't think, really has much fighting skill to him other than when he brings his gadgets so like boy's got good gadgets but what's he gonna do without hit them
0: i feel like he
1: probably has like an immeasurable well of rage that he can just draw from and attack them like a chipmunk but that's just yeah maybe that's just how i think of dex for some reason i can just imagine him like curb stomping the never seen but i don't think he has the actual skill to do it
2: he has the energy to do it, but not the but not the. He has the will to do it, but not the way. Yeah, he's
1: he's kind of like that one character that would fight God
2: and lose, but like they try. But still, go do it.
0: But yeah, that's right. There's like, I feel like there's like two decks. The decks with gadgets would do very well in a fight. The decks without de- gadgets probably not so much.
1: Yeah, and I think. It's the kind of thing that if we're talking about them as characters with, like, nothing else on them, I don't think he'd do too well. But if we are including, like, the things he could make with
2: his ability, then
1: it's a little bit different.
2: But... Yeah. Because also, like, I think it's important to mention just, like, at the top of the episode, like, there is that training program that is present in, I think it's Flashback? And I think, well, although Dex would have gotten that and he probably would have gotten it for a while, like, I think he also probably got distracted going to meet Tinker, so he probably ultimately ended up doing less training than some of the others just because he was, like, working on technopathy stuff.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. I didn't think about that when I first thought of the training, yeah. I mean, because he would have had less, wouldn't he? He would have gotten, like, more initially than Sophie and Fitz, but still... Yeah, you're
2: right. And I think there's, like, Dex Dexter- Dex truly is, at his core, a support character. Yeah. It's sad, but unfortunately very true. It's a video game archetype, but very much present here. Like, he makes the gadgets, he does the good stuff. Occasionally, he comes to a fight, and he just kind of throws gadgets again. And that's, and there you go, that's Dex. Yeah, when it
1: comes to fighting, he's just kind of there. <laughs> Which is unfortunate, but
0: well, yeah, he's the gadget guy. So it's just most of what he does happens before the actual fight happens. I just I just imagine
1: Dex is like, you said gadget guy and my brain jumped to in, Inspector Gadget.
2: Oh gosh, and
1: I do not like my brain.
2: Dex uh Mr. Gadget crossover you.
1: Oh my god. But like with, like, the our arms or whatever?
2: Oh, no.
1: Oh, no. Yeah,
2: I hate that. My brain is so cursed. Oh, my God. Why did I say that out loud? But, yeah, Dex, I think, like, and there's a question, too, of, like, if we're allowing talents in this competition, like, Vanish or, like, Technopath, like, that kind of stuff, could he still beat other people? I think that, like, if we allowed talents, then Dex could maybe go up against Fitz, Keith, and maybe, ju- maybe like, probably not, but maybe
0: Biana. Right, people with those mental abilities.
2: I don't think...
1: I, f- I feel like he could probably go up against Wiley. Maybe not Biana, just because, depending on what... I don't think he'd beat Biana. But I think he could... Yeah, I, th- I think against the other more, um, more mental abilities and also Wiley because we don't know at all about Flashing and him in general. Then I think, that, might be feasible if he had his gadgets, but otherwise he would not stuck up, well, st-
2: stack up too well. No, he wouldn't really.
0: All right, moving on to Fitz. Fitz, I. What can I say about him? Finn, you brought up a good point.
2: <laughs> so, in the in the other recording, um, I brought up what is potentially Fitz's best strategy, because he can't really do anything else, which is called the, the scream in people's brains and hope that they just give up strategy. Oh my god.
0: You know, I think that's oh, an excellent that. strategy, honestly. It's pretty good. It is a brilliant strategy. It's pretty strategy. Good.
2: Just it's annoy like, them. Did you ever just do that thing in like elementary school sports where like you try to distract people on the court by just screaming random words like, Grandma! It's like the progression of that strategy. Yeah, except probably more fun.
0: Except
1: also you're like possibly dying, so less fun, but you just get to scream in their brain.
0: It's a trade-off. But yeah, it's... It's creative. It's not something I would have thought of, but hearing it now, I think it would be extremely effective.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And like, the Never Seen S.H.I.E.L.D. probably couldn't, like, protect them from this, could it? I mean, they can protect it from
1: having their minds read, but I don't- Oh yeah, then probably. I can't imagine they'd think to stop it from having people scream in their minds. Like, it might just block out telepathy entirely or maybe it's just defensive and people can just yell in your brain. I don't know. That'd be interesting though. I want this now. I want this I want this to be canon. I want Fitz to just scream in people's brains. It'd be amazing. That's my that's my one wish for unlocked now. Fitz screaming in people's brains.
2: Honestly, peak strategy, peak combat. Like just imagine having to sit down and write that. You're like, "Huh, how would this character fight?" Okay, how do I describe someone screaming so loud and being so annoying in someone else's brain that they can't concentrate and just give up?
1: Yeah, I, I love that strategy. Without that, it isn't strictly mental ability.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the one advantage you kind of have with it is... Because, like, before we get this brought up, like, um, the thing about, like, fighting that we were talking about is that when you're in a fight a lot of the time you're not mentally processing what your next moves are like it's not an actionary thing it's a lot more reactionary so like the only move that telepathy would tell you about is potentially when the person's sizing you up and they're gonna go for their first move that's kind of thought out but other than that like when you're in the middle of the fight, you're not really thinking about what your next move is going to be. So telepathy doesn't really give you anything useful on that side of things.
1: Yeah, fights are quite like high stakes emotion, rather than super thought out thought thought out kind of attacks and plans. If it were like a battle or one of those scenarios in the books that we read, where both uh, both rebel groups, the Neverseen and the Black Swan, both know a confrontation is coming and that's more planned out and that's when i think telepathy could help in a fight but if it's like what i think we're talking about here which is just a physical fight then bin is right and it is much more reactionary than actionary
2: yeah and i think even like the fights the black swans plan like telepathy does a whole lot more for communication between parties on the same side than it does like an aggressive force and in these potential fights like i think it would be one on ones
0: all right, how about Keith? Keith is interesting. Keith, yeah.
2: Empathy once again is kind of useless. Cool, but but probably true. Yeah, but also when we're looking at like physical fighting skills, Keith we've seen the most proof of physical fighting both like in Exile when he's able to hit people with the goblin throwing stars. And, and I can't remember which book this is in, but when he fights King Dimitar and actually wins, they're just being good at levitation and, and having knife skills. Like, he is probably the most physically able to fight.
0: And also, I mean, we, like, yeah, empathy is a more mental skill. It's not directly applicable to a, a fight exactly, but since we were talking about how fights tend to be kind of emotionally driven, it could actually be helpful in, like, being able to sort of figure out what your opponent's going to do next if you can feel what they're feeling.
2: Like, it's emotional, but, like, if you're feeling what someone else is feeling, like, if you know someone's feeling, like, concentrated or you know someone's feeling angry, like, that's not a surprise while you're fighting. So I think, like, you get the idea of how someone's feeling, but that doesn't really offer you too much insight into their next move.
1: Yeah. And I'm also fairly certain that Keith can only feel Sophie's emotions through the air and no one else's.
2: Yeah. So I don't think... So you would need to be touching them, which isn't, like... Oh, true, like you'd have to, you have to be touching them. ...uncalled for in a fight. Like, it would happen, but also it's, like, kind of weird. Like, it would be so situational that it would be able to
0: help. Like, I guess if you're, like, I guess if you're, like, wrestling the Ogre King, then it would be more applicable than, like, if you're using throwing stars or, like, something from further away.
1: Yeah, and I mean... Going on with the levitating thing you said, when Ben, when you mentioned the fight with King Dimitar in Nightfall, he had the never-seen training, which, with the skills that would probably tie into that, because we know they're, you know, superior to the way they were taught in Exilium, supposedly, but with foot energy and everything, that'd probably affect it as well. He's got that on a higher level. There's a, there's a lot of maybes. Yeah, Keith's does rely quite a lot on maybes,
2: which is unfortunate,
1: but leaves
2: a lot of room for speculation, so... Yeah, I will definitely say, like, I'm fully on team... (laughs) I'm on team, like, Keith has, like, the strongest physical fighting ability, but when we're bringing talents in, like, he's kind of outclassed by those above him.
1: Yeah, that's probably the only reason... I think he wouldn't win this overall, is because, quite simply, empathy isn't going to help that often. In fact, it could, theoretically, along with telepathy, just confuse you more. Like, thoughts and emotions are a complete jumble, and if you acted on them and you were wrong, it would be worse.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, you're so right. That would be so confusing. You're in the middle of fighting somebody and you touch them, and you've got this huge flash of, like, emotional sensations.
0: (sighs) That would be awful. Yeah, I feel like Oh yeah, that'd be really distracting. Yeah, because both of those
1: abilities could potentially be a liability and a hindrance rather than a help.
2: I feel like telepathy, because you can like shut it off so easily, you could. We don't know if you can shut off like empathy the same way.
1: Yeah, that'd be I still want that established because that would Yeah. I feel like empathy is one of those ones we don't have a lot of like concrete answers for because of all the ways it's different. Like with Keith and Cassius and all the new things we randomly learn, like the three heartbeat
0: thing. Like it's really Right, like like with the three heartbeat thing and stuff. Like I feel like we know a lot of theories about it, but less concrete facts. Yeah. Like
2: emotions come from the heart and come from the head. But can Chief turn his abilities off? We don't know. All right, how about, um, Biana? I think Biana has, in the past, done the most physical provocation of a fight. Yeah, she's probably after
1: Keith when it comes to, like, the most physical fights, as well as the established fact that she beat Fitz and Tackle Bramble constantly, <laughs> which is interesting.
2: I think it's interesting, because, like, when we see in, like, the books and stuff, when like when they're in a fighting situation, like, Keith's instinct is not to physically lash out. It's kind of more like hang out in the back and see what's happened and kind of like help Sophie provide support. Whereas Biana usually is the first one to initiate something and just kind of goes all in. Yeah, which
1: sometimes doesn't work out for her. But I feel like she's one of the people that wouldn't hesitate in a fight. Which could be a huge help or you know potentially get her injured
0: also the also her vanishing incredibly helpful if they can't see where she's coming from then they can't prepare
1: and as well with vanishing it can go to quite incredible heights like we've seen with Della not getting wet in the water not even making it have like a ripple and Wraith being able to make himself disappear but not his clothes like we don't really know the full extent that vanishing can go to. And I think if like potentially if she could make her shadow disappear as well, if she's like completely invisible, Tam would have a harder time. Well, as well, because like
2: Because if vanishing vanishing isn't exactly going invisible, it's letting the light pass through you. So if light is passing passing through you, you don't create a shadow. There's nothing for it to like if light is going straight through you, there's no shadow being created. Yeah,
1: which and as well, with that light flashing wouldn't do anything either. So light and shade based abilities would be theoretically useless
2: against her if she was invisible the whole time. Although it is question like it's an interesting question of like if you manipulated the light that is going through somebody's body, would something super weird and bad happen? Ooh, oh my that's God. an interesting thing I to don't... think about. Oh, what would even happen like I don't know because like cuz lights can affect elves on a cellular level. So if the light is passing through your cells as it's being manipulated, I feel like that has the possibility to like seriously mess something up. Yeah, you could like oh my god. I feel like you could either just blow up or reappear
1: and oh my god, what if you just instantly died?
2: Okay. I just had I just had like the coolest thought. So shadow flux shades can you ma- manipulate it and quintessence and shadow flux are like two sides of the same coin so if a flasher is able to manipulate quintessence we know that quintessence has been used like in the application of like remodeling dna like i think it was phosphorian that was used by the forkles to try and like graph sophie's dna together so if you manipulated quintessence while it was in a flasher's form what would happen oh, there? Oh, good god. I don't know, that's
1: terrifying.
2: I know, it's really... I feel like we're thinking things out that Shannon hasn't even thought out.
1: That'd be terrifying. We should just like send this podcast to her and see what she thinks. It's just the book of questions we have for Shannon. Like Every time I reread this series, I just gain more questions and no
2: more answers.
0: Yeah, Um. on the subject of flashing, since we've... Moved into that a bit. Do you want to talk about Wily? Yeah, I'm good with that.
2: So, kind of when we discussed this last time, like one of the things we said is that flashing as an elemental ability doesn't really have that same force behind it. Like, you can use light to blind somebody and you can use it to trick somebody, but like you can't physically attack somebody
0: with it really. Mm-hmm. It's more of a defensive thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think this is because this was on the same vein of what we were discussing with fire versus water, with pyrokinesis and hydrokinesis. Like, fire can just set you on fire, whereas water has to kind of be used as a force and manipulated to become a force rather than just water, which doesn't hurt you instinctively. And I think that's similar with flashing and
2: shade, shading. Yeah, I don't know what the word is, but yeah in in d and d terms like fire deals fire damage, whereas water will only deal bludgeoning damage really
1: yeah that's that's the right way to phrase it i think and I mean, on top of that as well, we don't really know a lot about flashes, and we don't know if he's considered a powerful flasher or a
2: less powerful flasher what could the most powerful flasher do like is what is the extent of a flasher's ability i feel like.
1: The most flashy, flasher, and pardon the pun—I did not intend for that to be a thing—but um, would would be Aurum?
2: probably, who
1: has all the. Oh, but also, also Lizia, because she was a flasher too, oh, and she right. managed to make. Oh, huge she was incredibly scenes. powerful. Yeah, she... I completely mm-hmm. forgot about her.
2: <laughs> but like, I like illusions are cool, but how how useful are illusions going to be here? Well, very. I mean.
1: I mean, theoretically, if you could get illusions to work in a fight, I don't know if they can because she obviously had to work with Vespera for the more, like, large-scale illusions we saw in Flashback. If she was able to create, like, an illusion of a different area or, like, just a different scenario happening in the middle of a fight, like, that would be insanely useful and you who the Flasher would be like operating on a different layer of reality, the real kind of fight,
2: whereas the other person will be confused as all hell. So I guess yeah, that just leaves us questioning like how powerful Wily's abilities would be, and then there's even the question of like in these fights, are we doing that the Keeper Squad is at like their max potential strength, or is it like just as they are now? Yeah, because oh I don't know, I feel like we can discuss
1: theoreticals for how powerful they could be, but when it comes to actually, like, ranking them, we'll have to be.
2: Yeah, we don't exactly know. We can't, we'll just have to go with, like, how they are now, I suppose. It would be fun if we were able to, like, get an accurate picture of, like, what's the peak of power. Because, like, I feel like, because, like, the only people we really see are, like, Alden and stuff as a telepath, but, like, we already know that Sophie and Fitz are stronger than him right now. Like, where do they have to go? Like, we've seen the peak. We've seen the top. Yeah.
1: Like, we already know what the most powerful telepath is through Sophie and a lot of, like, other things with inflicting as well. She's not the best at it, but she's likely more powerful than Bronte, considering she can positive inflict as well.
0: Yeah, because she does have that one advantage.
2: I feel like, yeah, but I feel like that's... If we're talking fight-wise, positive inflicting... Oh, positive inflicting could do wonders in a fight just because you're confusing the other person so much. But I feel like we're also underestimating that like Bront has like thousands of more years of experience.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I reckon if they're inflicting, I think he is much more able to use his and I think his is much more useful. Yeah. I just think... I think he's much more
2: controlled. Yeah. Like, I doubt he has to spend the same time as... Like, I think... Because what Sophie was mentioning about her emotions in a knot being, like, all tucked away and brought teaching her to do that, like, I think he has it to a point where, like, he can inflict on a T if he needs to. His weakness, though, is that, like, his inflicting hits everybody, whereas Sophie, like, her inflicting is at that targeted stage where, like, it's not the end of the world if she has to do it around friends, because guess what? She can just choose not to hit her friends.
1: Yeah, I think, I think... Sophie has the potential to have a much broader power scope on her inflicting, whereas at the present moment, Bronte has much better control. So, I mean, then again, we're talking about who would want to fight rather than who's the most powerful, because if so, this would have a very different answer and a very obvious one. It would obviously be Sophie, but...
2: And I mean, we're not even. We didn't even plan to talk about Blunt. Like, he wasn't on our list of fighters, but he's made it here. Oh, definitely not.
1: But he would win. It's like Super Smash
2: play. Bros. Brawl. You guys keep on getting these uh, DLC characters. <laughs> if anybody understands that. This is your DLC content. But yeah. How about
0: Fire and Water, Morella and Lin?
2: I think Lin has the advantage of, like, control, and also pure strength. We don't really know if Morella would be considered a strong pyrokinetic because we don't really have much of a reference for pyrokinetics, but we know that Lynn is insanely strong as far as, like, what's, whatever, I can't remember, her, the name, as far as hydrokinetics go.
1: Yeah, I mean, with Morella, like you said, we don't really have a good gouge of how powerful she is. The only thing I can think of on that is a scene in Nightfall that I reread recently that said, I think it was Focal, and he said something about how he thinks she would have manifested even if he didn't trigger her because her pyrokinesis was incredibly strong. But we don't really see her fighting with it very often just because everyone's so tentative to let her.
2: Well, also, like, she just learned her ability. Like, I feel like we have this weird thing with Sophie where, like, she was already practicing with her ability for, like, ten years before she got here. Like, she doesn't really need the uh, the ability training sessions, really, if you think about it. Like, she is already the most advanced of all of her friends when it comes to ability training.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's very valid not to let Morale use hers very often, but it does mean we
2: don't really see a lot of hers. It's a pity, but it's an understandable one.
1: yeah. And as well, while we're on like Morella and Lin, I really want to see them use
2: fire and water together.
0: Absolutely, yes. Is...
2: Shannon has teased us with the fact that it can happen, and then not told us like anything else. Like, I'm sorry
1: if this doesn't happen in the series, I will riot.
2: <laughs> Shannon, give us, give us the deeds,
0: please. I just want that Morella content.
2: I, I need Morelanella.
1: It's just a very good ship. And I think I think it's one of the only LGBT ships that I have hope for becoming canon after reading Legacy. Yeah,
0: same. Like I feel like it actually has a chance.
1: Yeah, it was like so heavily
0: We need to we
2: the question is, does Shannon know? <laughs> Shannon, do you know that we think these characters
1: like each other? I mean there was that one scene in Legacy where Morella was like, yeah, Lynn doesn't like Keith, but not for the reason you think.
0: Yes, I know I honestly think she was kind of teasing that. Like yeah, Shannon. I feel
1: like this could canon. Yeah. And I'm turns out Lynn doesn't like Keith just because she's a lesbian. <laughs> oh my god. That would be so great though. And that would also but Linella cuz Morella knows.
2: I also like I think I I haven't mentioned this before but like I think like on a on a Keeper Discord where I go quite frequently like i was talking about like how awesome it would be because morella is probably like the flirtiest character we have in the series next to keith and it's mainly been with like male characters so it'd be neat just because in like that typical sense of like if she was by like that idea of like overcompensating like just that idea we're like oh i've been acting like this way and I've been flirting so much with men because I've been trying to like suppress the fact that I'm like also attracted to women women I can't say the word women properly I'm sorry but yeah I just think that would be very neat
1: yeah I'm gonna throw out a ball and chain with that idea and quote it which probably neither of you have seen or read and probably not a lot of people have but Richie Tozier was by in the books or it was very heavily you know um Oh, what's the word? Yeah, it was, there was a lot of symbolism with werewolves that led me to believe he was bi in the books, and then he was gay in the show, and one of the things was him just completely, in the movie, not the show, was him completely overcompensating by making all these jokes about women and how much he liked them, and that was, yeah, I think that would be really interesting if we had that, but the opposite with Morella.
2: Or even just like, yeah, I think I think Bimarella is probably my favorite. Like I'm so sorry, we're on a bonus episode for fighting and we're going back into the queer headcanons episode. My apologies. But like Bimarella is probably one of my favorite, like I don't know what you call it, like queer headcanon. That sounds like a really bad way of putting it, but I don't know the better words for it, I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: I just the idea of Bimarella is great. I also love the idea of Lesbian Morella that just flirted with guys because she didn't know how to handle not liking them. And she thought she should. So that's also great. But we've spoiled. I'm sorry,
2: you've just like we've we've completely gone off topic. We've gone from war to love. My apologies. Two sides of the same coin, right? <laughs> but
0: so yeah, we're kind of uh, running out of time. So let's head <laughs> to Tam and Sophie, who we decided last episode were probably two of the most powerful ones.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: So I think they kind of- yeah, so we kind of settled on Tam being just a bit stronger just because of how present the shadows are with him and how like quickly he can summon them and just use them to completely screw someone over.
1: Yeah, because shadow flocks can just like crush your hands into pieces- it could. And it left Sophie and Fitz in the healing center for half of Flashback, which I am still salty about, but.
0: Like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, Shadow Flux is one, Scary. it's super powerful stuff, and two, is that he can summon it like immediately. He has that advantage of speed, whereas with someone like Lin or something, it takes a little while for, like you know, to get the water from the air wherever she gets it. Mm.
1: Like we mentioned with Sophie's inflicting earlier when we we're comparing her to Bronte with um with the way she has to kind of get that knot in her stomach to form before she can use it. Whereas Tam can just grab shadows and screw you over
2: instantly.
0: He also has the Never Seen training, which definite advantage.
2: Which I think like also like it's a big advantage only like not only in like the fact that they would have taught different stuff, but also in the fact that like Umber's research as a shade probably went so much, I don't want to say uglier, but probably so much more, like, um, aggressive than Alvin training normally would. Like, it probably delved into topics that they wouldn't dare go because it would be, like, I don't know, mind-breaking or whatever. So I think there's that advantage, too.
1: Oh, yeah, that's... I mean, I'm still... I don't... The whole breaking with guilt thing is so... Badly
2: executed. Neat concept, but please, you're breaking your own world-building rules again, Shannon.
1: Yeah, I I love the idea of them being very susceptible for guilt, but it seems different
2: for every single
1: elf with how far and how much guilt they have to feel for it to, like, affect them and break them. Like, with Alden, we saw him, like, just, yeah... Anyway, yeah, I just got
2: the whole idea. It's great, but... And I think, like, we also see, like, everybody also has, like, different ways to deal with the guilt. So we saw Fenton, who... Presumably, we don't really know how much guilt he was able to take, but we did see that he had found this excellent strategy that worked perfectly for when he was guilty. Yeah. I mean, I don't
1: remember what it is, but I'm assuming that
2: happened. (laughs) He, he hit his, he hid his, like, the stuff that would, like, break his mind in a cache.
1: Oh, yeah, that's, because, yes, I remember now. My memory has been jogged. That is, God, I haven't reread really that.
2: And, like, guilt is so strange as a concept because it's so much more, like, abstract than saying that the elves find it hard to commit violence, but even then, like, we see that elves have very different tolerance for violence and what they're able to do to people and have it justified in their own minds.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, we've seen Grady burn, like, force someone to burn their own hand off. And we've seen Vespera torture people into insanity. And then there's, you know, there are other people who can't handle it at all,
2: which is very... There's Sophie who hit a dummy and had it burst juice on her and was like, just scarred for life. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, that would have been
1: traumatizing if he thought it was actual blood, I think. But, yeah, that's...
2: And I mean, don't get me started on Grady again, but he is by far one of the most interesting characters in the series, just for what he's willing to do for family.
1: Yeah, he's really ruthless. And I feel like it's... He would kill for Sophie and for Edeline. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of dark, but... I feel like he would do that. Yeah, I am. I'm here for that character development.
2: Yeah, because we also have. I've mentioned this before. I will mention it again, but like we do have Vespera and Jella say, Angela <laughs> um, saying that like he's the most ruthless elf they've ever met, and I think that's very cool and good of him.
1: Especially because he's really, he's really one of the only elves in the Black Swan or on the quote unquote good side that is incredibly ruthless and can be incredibly violent across the series and is still seen as completely good, which is cool because having the most ruthless elf.
2: Yeah. According to the fandom, his greatest flaw is that he doesn't like Keith. What?
1: <laughs> Wait, is this on the wiki? Or like, is this
2: just no, the fandom it's just, in general? Yeah. No, I feel like it's just like one of those things that people make jokes about all the time where it's like saying like, that boy or whatever
0: so i think it's about time to wrap up um have we we've already talked about sophie a little bit but do you want to like discuss her quickly some more or uh yeah maybe i think just all right
2: i mean we can do a quick rundown of like her abilities and how they would work in combat which is like polyglot (laughs) useless telepathy yeah telepathy. we've said that it could potentially have some uses, but overall could potentially yeah, what would, would probably be more confusing than anything else, and maybe not the best. um we have inflicting, which is her main aggressive ability, and probably would actually work really well here, so that's probably pretty useful, actually, and then, um, yeah, I feel like I'm missing something teleporting that could be very useful. Oh yeah. Teleporting could be useful, but she's not got
1: the hang of doing it without clips. True, she'd which need which more is practice. the only problem. And also enhancing, which is fairly useless because I mean it's not gonna affect the fight.
0: It could only help the other person. <laughs> right. I mean I guess it could help like her friends if she's working in a group, but it yeah. doesn't do much for herself.
2: She can also turn it off now. So I think that would just kind of be like non-present in the fight.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of like a void point, I suppose, because it's not going to help the others, but it's like the other side, but it's not going to help her either, so it'd be cool if she could enhance her own abilities, but we haven't gone that far yet, if that happens.
2: does Do her abilities really need enhancing? Like, she's already the most powerful really people, or powerful person if, in the city.
1: Shannon wants to make her even more OP,
2: like... <laughs> yeah. Who are we to stop Shannon?
1: Yeah. about your dreams? Let's just keep the ball rolling. You know, just make it even more powerful and even more overdone. It's fine.
0: <laughs> it's
2: scary to think about what Sophie could like actually do if she set her mind to it in the Lost Cities.
1: Oh, I just remembered. I just remembered with Lynn, blood bending. We mentioned this in the first recording, but I didn't. I just remembered that
0: she could like. So yeah, that could potentially be a road that. Shannon goes down if she so chooses.
2: So, at the end of this episode, what we've really learned is that anybody could do a lot of good things. Please, we do not know.
0: We're just trying our best. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much.
1: <laughs> I mean, I feel like the front runners who do we think they are?
0: Tam, Sophie, Biana, maybe? Yeah,
2: Sophie, Biana, Tam, I think. Yeah and
1: I think under that would be Morella and Lynn.
2: Yeah. And Which
1: I feel like we like didn't fire. like
2: we didn't super exaggerate on Biana's abilities here but like once she goes invisible there's not very much you can do to stop her from just punching you a lot. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like she also had the training when Sophie and Fitz were, you know, uh healing centered and I mean she also had that whole tackle bramble thing, like we know she can just take down someone with Fitz's training level really easily. And I feel like once she's invisible, you're kind of screwed.
0: Um, let's move on to social media. So, you can message the podcast at Keepercast on Tumblr or the Keepercast on Instagram, and you can find me at Malamelting on both Tumblr and Instagram. <laughs>
2: Uh I'm at Everglund-Havenfield on Tumblr. And if you were following me before, uh chances are you're not. Now, um I recently switched around all my social medias and my URL is the same, but if you were following my old account, chances are you're now following my personal account, which is fine. You just won't be getting Keeper of the Lost Cities. You will be getting a just a boatload of random stuff.
1: I am I want a custard burst on uh Tumblr and AO3 which is ironic because I remembered a week after creating that username that I hated Custard, but... <laughs> oh god, I'm a disaster. But um, I accidentally created myself two AO3 accounts, so um, anything I post for Keeper is under both I Want a Custard Burst and Crumpled Witch Feet, and any non-Keeper-related um, fanfictions I write um, are under Crumpled Witch Feet. So if anyone is interested in fanfic, you can find me there too.
0: This has been KeeperCast. See you next week.